We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the live post-game show slash podcast. The Lakers fall to the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, it was not pretty for certain stretches of this game. There were some points that looked really good. The Lakers were actually up seven with two minutes and 30 seconds to play in the third. But they wind up losing the game 121 to 104. Yikes. So, you get blown out in the end. At a moment there, it looked like the Lakers might hang on and maybe even get the upset win. Remember, no LeBron, no Anthony Davis, no Austin Reeves still in this game. Now, for the Nets, they were not whole either. No Kevin Durant, no Ben Simmons for this game for the Brooklyn Nets. But the Nets came in as a nine-point favorite. They were a heavy favorite here. And the Lakers looked like it finally figured some things out. And then at about the two-minute and 30-second mark at the end of the third, towards the end of the third quarter, Everything fell apart. From there on, it was basically all Brooklyn Nets for the remainder of the game. The Nets started the game shooting incredibly hot. They were great from behind the arc. And they uh, and then that started to tail off. And the Lakers started to go on a run in the third. And then the Nets shooting came back around. Really, in a game like this, and I talked about this a little bit in the pregame with Mark Gunnels, talked about it during the game on the live stream over on Playback. In a game like this, where you don't have LeBron, you don't have Anthony Davis. You probably need a few things to happen. So you need the Nets to have a subpar shooting night. Did you get that? Not really. 47% from the field, 39% from three, 79% from the free throw line from the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, so you didn't get the subpar shooting. So that alone, right, that alone is going to make it difficult to win this game. Uh, 12 offensive rebounds. For the Brooklyn Nets. So you gave up a lot of offensive boards if you're this Lakers team. And the Nets only turned the ball over nine times. So right there, you've got some key areas that are going against you in this game. You didn't force enough turnovers and the Nets shot the ball simply too well um, for you to be able to win a game despite not having LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And then you look at the Lakers. What do you need from their side? So from the Nets side, basically everything you needed from the Nets side, you didn't get. Then from the Lakers side, what do you need? Well, you need at least a few, probably three players to have outlier performances, to have games where they perform at a, a level that's significantly better 
than what you would typically get out of them. Now, Troy Brown, I think you got that. 17 rebounds, four assists, and 11 points for Troy Brown. You'll take that. Thomas Bryant, seven for eight shooting, 18 points, nine rebounds. We know he's capable of that. Um, but you also have to do it efficiently. And that's where the Lakers really fell short. 39% from the field, 38% from three. Now, that's not bad from three, but 62% from the free throw line. The Lakers missed 15, no, 14 free throws in this game missed by the Lakers. 37 free throw attempts, and they missed 14. That's, that's tough to win, too. Again, you didn't get what you needed on the net side of things. You didn't get the percentages you needed from the Nets. You didn't get the turnovers that you needed. You didn't keep them off the offensive glass. You didn't get those things. And then the Lakers themselves, they turned the ball over 14 times. Now they grabbed 16 offensive rebounds, so that helps. But they couldn't shoot. They couldn't shoot in this game. This is a game where you needed like a 25-point performance out of Dennis Schroeder or something like that. You needed Russ to have you know an efficient triple-double, have one of those kind of outlier games as well. And again, you did not get it. You did not get it. Dennis Schroeder, two for 15. Patrick Beverly, one for eight. The Lakers starting backcourt, three for 23, shooting the basketball. Three for 23. How are you going to win a game if you don't have LeBron and AD when that's what you get out of your starting backcourt? The answer is you're not. You're not going to win that game. Uh, Russ, five for 15. Now he's three of six for deep, so from deep, so you'll take that. Ten assists. He did have some incredible pass. I, think, I thought it was... We've been talking about this a lot, how Russ as a distributor uh, is a real thing and is really something that the Lakers do need. It's something they have to account for. If they actually do move Russ by the trade deadline, they have to consider that. But, and we saw it in this game, but you also saw a lot of the bad. The, the shooting was horrific, right? Five for 15 shooting, four of seven at the free throw line. Rui Hachimura, the newest Laker, 16 points. You'll take that in 28 minutes, 16 points. Okay, that's about what you need out of Rui, Hach Rui Hachimura in a game like this. Six for 13 shooting, one of two from deep, great, but three of six from the free throw line. Again, tough to win games when you're turning the ball over and when you're missing free throws, you're not shooting at a high percentage. And yes, the percentages are going to go up when LeBron's on the floor. There's no question, right? But that's just, I'm just saying if you were going to have some kind of surprise upset win in this one the way you were going to get there well that was by checking those boxes you needed a lakers 45 percent or better from the field night you needed a lakers 38 percent or better three-point shooting night and you got the 38 percent you needed a lakers 80 percent from the free throw line night you needed a few guys to really get going didn't really happen. And you needed the Nets to have some off-night shooting, to turn the ball over a little bit more, to not be as effective on the offensive glass if you were going to win this. And you didn't really check any of those boxes except for the Lakers' three-point shooting, which, again, finished at 38%, which you will take given this Lakers roster. So in any event, all of that added up to a blowout, essentially, loss for the Lakers. Um, there were some things that went horribly wrong. I mean, Joe Harris was one for five from deep. Seth Curry was over five. So on the surface, you go, man, one for 10 shooting between two of the best three-point shooters in the league, typically Joe Harris and Seth Curry, you'll take that. Yeah, but Patty Mills has barely been playing for the Nets and he went off for 21. He's a Laker killer. Just every time he sees the Lakers, he goes berserk. 21 on four of seven from deep. Cam Thomas, four for six for deep. 
for 21 points as well. Their bench blew up on the Lakers. So even though they're starters, the Lakers kind of got the performances they needed out of the other non-Kyrie. Kyrie was great, 26 points, seven boards, six assists. Um, the non-Kyrie starters, their bench made up for it, and then some. And that's the game. That's the game. But let me get into some of your questions and comments that are coming in here. Welcome in, by the way. I should start with that. So rude of me. Welcome in, everybody. Um, obviously not a fun game. An early game, 4.30 Pacific time start. We've got another one tomorrow against the Knicks. Um, no LeBron, no Anthony Davis in this one. And Darvin Ham told us before the game that Anthony Davis, this was scheduled. They knew he's not going to play against the Nets. Sounds like he'll probably play tomorrow. LeBron, though... Apparently, this was not planned. I look, When this first came out, hey, LeBron and AD are not going to play in this game. I went, okay, first of all, it's a scheduled loss. I'm assuming they're going to lose. And again, when I look at this game, I think, yeah, I, I, I expected the Nets to win by a decent amount here. The fact that the Lakers actually had a seven-point lead late in the third makes this sting a little bit more because they did the things they needed to do to get a lead and then collapsed. But no LeBron, and that was not scheduled. According to Darvin Ham. His foot has really been bothering him, which, oh no, right? Here we go again. Now, Anthony Davis comes back and he's getting into a rhythm and up, out goes LeBron. Hopefully this isn't anything that keeps him out against the Knicks. Hopefully this was just a one-game absence for LeBron. Um, I think the silver lining to this is that he's now much more likely to break the scoring record at home, assuming he plays against the Knicks, the Pacers, and the Pelicans. Um, but... So now we kind of have to worry. Darvin Ham said LeBron will be reevaluated in the morning. And uh, yeah, we're going to be on pins and needles waiting to find out whether or not LeBron is playing against the Knicks tomorrow night. Mario Hernandez says death, taxes, and Ham's three-guard lineups. Yeah, we saw. We even saw four-guard lineups out there in this game. We saw Lonnie walk. Lonnie is 6'4". Don't tell me he's a three. Lonnie is a two. Lonnie is 6'4". And we saw him out there playing power forward for stretches for the Lakers. Again, I pulled all the advanced stats. The three-guard lineup, somehow it works when LeBron's on the floor. When LeBron is not on the floor, it's one of the worst units in basketball. Not on the Lakers, in basketball. Like, it's that bad. Um, that's the problem. That's the problem, is that when LeBron is not out there, that unit falls to pieces, and I think it's a little bit noisy those stats are, are not quite truly reflective of, of how good or bad it, it is it's but in any event it's not good and yet we're still continuing to see it even though the lakers have more help now on the wings you've got and jta was not good so i understand the lakers you know, maybe not wanting to turn to him quite as much but troy brown was good in this one Rui hachimura was good in this one you've got you know lonnie walker's back who at least can kind of masquerade as a three Wenyon, I thought was great. Wenyon was very good in this game, and Russell Westbrook did a great job finding him. And it begs the question, when you see Wenyon play like this, 11 points, four boards, he was really their best offensive punch through the third, in the third quarter, was Russell Westbrook giving the ball to Wenyon Gabriel. Um, that duo is just, they have a mind meld. They have a, an understanding. They play very well together. And I was shocked that Darvin Ham didn't go back to that in the fourth quarter. Why not bring back Wenyon? In fact, they went small without a big on the floor at all at one point uh, to finish off the fourth. And I was surprised. Why wouldn't you go back to Wenyon? When, when he was clearly giving you something in the third, a spark, why wouldn't you go back to him? He was your best offensive weapon in that moment. And they didn't go back to him. It was strange. But 
in any event, the three-guard lineup continues to be a thing. Now you're, you're hoping, hey, when LeBron and AD are in the mix, we've still seen the three-guard lineup, but LeBron and AD are in the mix. Austin gets back. At that point, if Ham continues to go with the three-guard lineup, when Austin is back, Austin Reeves is back in action, and LeBron and AD are out on the floor, that, that tells you he just loves that line, that lineup. Um, it's, it is odd. Now, again, tonight they were shorthanded, so I can kind of give him a pass there, but we continue to see it. Joey, enough is enough. Time to call a spade a spade. Russell Westbrook needs to get traded, and Darvin Ham is just not the coach everyone thought he would be. Very disappointing. You know, Russell Westbrook needs to get traded. The question is, what for? Like, really, who are you trading him for? What's the, what's the trade? If there's a trade out there that makes sense, then yeah, you do it. And I think I've, I've seen a lot of fans who have said they're concerned about what it means come playoff time. What happens come playoff time if Russell Westbrook's on the team? Let's say the Lakers do make it to the playoffs. They make it to the play-in. Um, yeah, the teams are going to do exactly what the Lakers did to the Rockets back in 2020. They're going to let Russ shoot. We saw um, what the Celtics do. A few teams have done this. They defend him with their big, slow center and just tell their center, don't go out. Just don't defend him. Luke Cornett ran away from Russell Westbrook in the game against the Celtics. Ran away from him. Celtics fans are screaming at him to shoot. And again, I, I don't, I think Russell Westbrook does some good. Some of his passing tonight was fantastic. It was incredible. But that's just that's so disruptive that I can understand why people are concerned about what that's going to look like come playoff time. By the way, by the way, heard this today. Other teams around the league are starting to really take note of what the Celtics did, what I think the Blazers did it to. Putting a big slow center on Russell Westbrook and seeing what that does to the Lakers offense. Because it either goads Russ into taking the pull-up jumper that you want him to take or it just stifles things all over the place. Uh, other teams are taking note and going over that ahead of their matchup with the Lakers. They're showing that to their bigs and expect to see more of that in the coming games. That's that's what I'll say. Kyle Hampton said, well, that wasn't ideal. We're better than that for certain. Let's win one tomorrow. I do think the Lakers are probably a bit better. Now they fought throughout this game, but they just they couldn't hit shots when they needed to. Couldn't hit shots when they needed to. I mean, look, Again, the Lakers on the night, 35 of 89 shooting. I mean, if you shoot just a normal percentage in this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's say it's 42 for 89. That's 47% from the field. That's not crazy. That's seven more makes if a couple of those are threes. And if you actually hit your free throws, you hit 80% of your free throws, Lakers win this game. Now, again, that's that's a lot, right? Like, hey, oh, if you just make seven more shots and hit like 10 more free throws, then you win the game. You, you can't really make that, that jump, but it just goes to show that you just couldn't withstand a poor shooting night plus not having LeBron in AD. You just knew that wasn't going to happen. Jay Delgado, is there any way to make Durbin pay $10,000 every time he tries those four-guard lineups? I mean, I guess the Lakers organization could fine him for that but uh i don't think you can create like an nba policy or anything like that that would that would do that j dog said i don't understand ham with his lineups we did well in the third with Wenyan, refused to put him back in keeping the third guard lineup to lose i i didn't understand that either i thought Wenyan actually provided a lot of force a lot of punch for the lakers particularly on the offensive end um he was pretty instrumental to everything the lakers were doing out there i mean he's a favorite target of russell westbrook i mean and to go Matt the Optimist Peralta on you guys. Find someone who loves you the way Russell Westbrook loves Wenyan Gabriel. He loves passing the ball to Wenyan Gabriel. Um, I will say the Nets made some adjustments as the third was going on and started to make Wenyan Gabriel a three-point shooter rather than giving him those opportunities to get to the rim. So perhaps Darvin saw that. That's just me kind of playing devil's ad- advocate. Maybe Darvin thought, okay, the Nets are going to not allow Wenyan to get those looks anymore. But nonetheless... It was uh, it was odd to see when you not back in. First time I go to see, or I got to see my favorite team, and LeBron and AD are sitting out. I'm pissed, but still had fun. Oh man, you went to the game, and they weren't playing. That's brutal. You know what? I, it's it's an unfortunate reality now around the NBA where you know if you're getting tickets to a game that's uh, in a back to back there's a chance some guys are not going to play, uh, whether it's the first night or the second night. Again, if I if I had to guess, I would have said the Lakers would have sat guys the second night of the back-to-back. Now, maybe the next game being on TNT and tonight's game against the Nets being just on uh, NBA TV, maybe that had something to do with the decision. But in any event, if and this isn't just a Lakers thing. This is a, around the NBA thing. You kind of know there is a risk associated with getting tickets to a back-to-back game. And it's unfortunate because I I can't imagine that the tickets were cheap. Lakers game tickets are typically more expensive than a normal game. And it's certainly frustrating. You know, if you know, LeBron, if his foot's really bugging him, I get it. I can't fault the Lakers for not wanting to play Anthony Davis in a back-to-back. They want to give him some rest for you know injury management and all that kind of stuff. It is different though. You know, when I was a when I was a kid, when Shaq became a Laker, first season Shaq was with the Lakers. That was my big Christmas present from my parents was uh, tickets to go see the Lakers, to go see Shaq play. That was that was the whole point. Go see Shaq, right? That, like that was the present was we got to go watch Shaq play, and uh, he got hurt like two games before, and so he sat out, and he and we didn't get to see him play. But that's just that's the way it goes sometimes, right? That's sports. Sometimes injuries occur. It's just what happens in the load management era. Now it's like, well, is the guy going to sit out just because he's resting and you know he's not actually hurt, hurt? 
Um, and I can understand why that can be frustrating for fans who are buying tickets and paying all of this money just to find out that, yeah, the guy's not playing. I wonder if we're going to start to see, and I, I don't analyze ticket prices a ton, but I do wonder if we're going to start to see back-to-back games have their, their ticket values start to dip compared to, say, you've got a game Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the Wednesday game in the middle of the week, you feel a little bit safer because it's not a back-to-back. I wonder if we're going to start to see that as more and more stars start to miss one of the games against the uh, in the back-to-back set. Uh, HB Triple Threat said, Trevor, what does Ham have against Wenyon? Plays hard. He has great rhythm with Westbrook. I just don't get it. All, and also, Jay Huff couldn't help. Yeah, I mean, I've been on the, the Jay Huff wagon for a while, saying that he should be brought in. Hasn't been. The Lakers have had a, an open roster spot to play with, and he still hasn't been, been brought in. So clearly, he's not as on their radar as we think he should be. He's been... Uh, you know, the South Bay Lakers put out a thing the other day showing that he's like the top shot blocker in the G League right now. He's been very good, but Lakers haven't called him up. Um, as far as what he has against Wenyon, I think it's weird that Wenyon lost minutes when AD came back. Well, not lost minutes, but completely lost his role, like was benched completely when Anthony Davis came back. Because I think you can play Wenyon and AD. And I, I think, look, a four big lineup essentially with LeBron, AD, Thomas Bryant and Wenyan Gabriel is certainly possible. And I think Wenyan gives you enough on both sides of the ball that it's worth it, particularly if you compare Wenyan with Russell Westbrook. You know those two work well together. You're going to get something out of it. I think you're better off doing that, of course, than just playing Wenyan without Russ. But if you can schedule five minutes a half for Wenyan and Russ to share the floor, I think that's going to be a net positive for the Lakers because the two really do play off of each other very, very well. So... I'm surprised as well that Wenyon has seen his role essentially disappear. And then we see him play and we see him get an opportunity tonight. And, and it, just, it just begs the question again, why, why is this guy not playing? He's good. Senpai said, starting to wish we had hired Quinn. Well, I mean, Quinn Snyder wasn't an option for the Lakers. Was an option. And maybe if he was, they would have. And I don't say, I'm not going to say I'm out on Darvin Ham. I think he's got potential as a coach look this team has played hard night in and night out this team has played hard and I think that's that counts for something you might say well moral victories whatever right but we saw a Lakers team last season that didn't play hard that night to night you would see them just not play hard not compete this team does this team plays hard it's not always pretty but they do play hard night to night and I think that does matter I want to see what Darvin does when he's got a real roster that's balanced and that has pieces and, and all of that so I, I think it's too early to be out on Darvin Ham, but I do understand the frustration, particularly when we keep seeing the three guard thing and it just hasn't been working out very well. Uh, Panther said Lonnie and Damian Jones for Mo Bamba need a big. Well, now if Wenyan's not getting minutes though, how can we be sure that Mo Bamba is going to get minutes? Now Mo, Mo Bamba hasn't even really been doing much for the mat. He hasn't really been part of the Magic's rotation that much. Now he can shoot the three. He's got an interesting skill set. So I'm not completely opposed to it, but nonetheless, um, I don't know. You're giving up a wing-ish player in Lonnie. Mo Bamba also has uh, a second year. He's got a non-guaranteed second year on this deal. So if you do act as an above-the-cap team, you could just exercise that option. Um, Well, it's not a team option, but guarantee that contract and keep him if you're an above-the-cap team already anyway. So there's some benefit to that too. 
you can make an argument for it, but you have to be very sold on Mo Bamba. You have to be very sold that Mo Bamba is going to be that guy for you. He's going to be somebody that's going to play a lot. I mean, he played, look, he played six minutes tonight. The Magic got an impressive win, by the way, against the 76ers. Mo Bamba played six minutes. Total. Six minutes in a matchup that you would think, hey, he's going up against Joel Embiid. That'd be great. He's not even a, an every night player right now. He's averaging 11 minutes per night for a bad Orlando Magic team. And I, I mean bad there. I like what they're doing in Orlando, but meanwhile, he's shooting 46% from three for the, for the month. So maybe there's something there, but again, you have to be very convinced that there really is something there, I think, to make that move. Got to be convinced that the Magic just aren't giving him the opportunities. Maybe they've got too many other bigs. However, you're going to look at it. That's what you have to be convinced of to make a move like that. Uh, Colton says, Wenyon starts going off with Russ in the third, and we get to uh, we get it to seven, and in the fourth, he gets zero minutes shaking my head. Yeah, he got subbed back in like at the very end of the fourth quarter. I, I was saying the same thing. I was frustrated. I was frustrated. Jeremy said, hey, Trevor, I don't really see a viable, realistic Westbrook trade right now after Turner signed the extension, and they said he's off the block. Let me hit you with one. So if Turner really is indeed off the block, which by the way, the Pacers can still trade Turner. The Pacers can still trade Turner if they want. Um, I don't think they're going to. I don't believe they are going to trade Miles Turner. So yes, but I, I think that the Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, while still you could do this right now, you could do Miles Turner and Buddy Heald for Russell Westbrook and picks. If the Pacers suddenly decided, yep, we want to do this, you could do it. And I think Turner actually has more value right now than he did two days ago because of the contract extension. But let me ask you this. This is just purely hypothetical, something we've been talking about. Fred Van Vliet goes clutch sports. There's going to be buzz around that. Again, completely hypothetical. This is not sourced or anything like that. Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., and Kem Birch to make the money work in exchange for Russell Westbrook, Max Christie, and both your first round picks. Are you doing that? Just something to throw out there. Would you do that? Knowing that you have to pay Fred Van Vliet, knowing that you have to pay Gary Trent Jr. this next year, would the Lakers even do that? That's a lot of money you'd have to give out. I'm just curious. Look, I mean, that's we're talking about what could be out there in terms of Russell Westbrook. Well, if you want to start stacking up salaries and trying to find something that works, it's an interesting one. I'm seeing a lot of yes and a lot of no. It's, it's probably about 50-50 in the chat right now. Seeing a lot of yes and a lot of no. Um, you know what's funny is when I look at that trade, my big drawback, it's Max Christie. That's my, I'm like, oh, but I don't want to put Max Christie in. We always get, you know, we're so enamored with potential and everything. I think he's going to be pretty good though. I think he's going to be pretty good. So Max Christie is my, my guy where I'm like, oh, if I could just find a way to pull him out of that trade. Um, that could be the kind of thing that maybe could be out there for the Lakers in a Russell Westbrook trade. By the way, we don't know, like the, the word from today was we don't know what Toronto is going to do. Um, nobody knows. And they're not going to decide until closer to the deadline. Well, we're a week and a half away. And they still haven't decided yet. Yikes. 
So Toronto, whether or not they decide they're going to trade away players could be a major factor in how active this trade deadline is. All eyes on Toronto. Trevor Adams, season's over. Guards are trash. We're out of time. They're not out of time. They're not out of time, but the, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. They have to pick up some wins. I was saying you you're, you ideally want to exit this road trip three and two. Three and two on the five-game road trip, which means you have to win your next three now. You've got to beat New York, Indiana, and then the Pelicans. And by the way, the Pelicans game is a big one. Obviously, the pick swap uh, is, a, is a factor in that. It, I, I hate it, but if the Lakers didn't have those three games that were flipped by the officials, by their um, incorrect calls at the end of the game, or no calls at the end of the game, the Lakers would have a better record than the Pelicans right now. And the pick swap would be meaningless should the season finish with the Lakers with a better record than the Pelicans. So Lakers-Pelicans, that's, that's a big matchup. So can you win three in a row and finish the road trip three and two? And then you go take on OKC in your first game back home. But I've been saying for a while, I think that's when the win uh, LeBron James will set the scoring record at home against OKC. Francisco, I had more fun watching Ingram, Lonzo, Clarkson, et cetera, battling and losing than watching this Lakers team. Well, to each their own. Um, I think there were some fun moments with that squad. And there were some moments where you thought, okay, wow, there's some potential there. But I also think sometimes we forget how tough those times were. I mean, the 17 win season, like it was difficult. And sometimes we forget, Hey, we get to watch LeBron on a night to night basis. And you know, LeBron's at a different LeBron right now is at a different level than anyone on that team. LeBron at 38 is at a different level than anybody that was on that team. Right. So that's, that's the flip side to this. I, I can't say I agree. I enjoyed watching the kids play and play hard and, and all of that kind of stuff. But um, I, I like watching the watching LeBron, watching AD, knowing that those guys can go out, go nuts and take over a game. Uh, Cam, let's get Jay Crowder. Great. What are you giving up for him that the Suns want? That's the key. It sounds like the Bucks have a pretty good shot at getting Drake, uh, Jay Crowder. Strength training. Said if Russ, Troy Brown, and Darvin don't go, I can't see how we get any better. Oh, why Troy Brown? Uh, we're good at botching potential wins. We can't shoot free throws as well. Well, I mean, the Lakers have actually done fairly well shooting free throws on the season. I don't think they're one of the top teams. Let me take a look here. In free throw percentage on the season, the Lakers, they're about middle of the pack. 79% from the free throw line. That's fine. That's pretty solid. So that hasn't been that big of a, a problem for them, but they have been bad at, at closing out wins and winning games. And this was not like a close game down the stretch, but they had a seven-point lead and then completely collapsed. Mikey, officials have cost LA four games, but Ham's rookie coach issues have cost the same or more. Potentially, I, you know, I don't look at this game and say, Ham ruined this game. Like, when you lose by that much, it's more than just, oh, they made the wrong sub at the wrong time. Like the Nets got going. The Nets shooting was great to start. Then it slipped back, but then it picked up again. And suddenly they were hitting a bunch of shots and that was kind of the end. Um, so I won't say that Ham necessarily cost them this game. Like the rotations sometimes in some cases weren't great, but when you lose by this much, you can't just say, well, it's all on the coach or something. There's a lot. There's a lot though. There've been a lot of moments where Darvin Ham maybe hasn't been the best. But again, this team is playing hard. And can we say that would be true of another coach? Might there be other issues? Something always to consider. We're looking at coaches. Uh, Julian said the Lakers haven't been good from 
like since our chip. No, they were very good in um, 2020 and 2021. Injuries hit and knocked them back. But they were very good that season. That was a good team. We got to trade for shooting. Agree. I think you risk playmaking from Russ in order to get shooters. Fundamentals kill this team. So that's been the, the question, right? If you do trade away Russ and you can bring in shooting, okay, but you're going to have to account for that playmaking that you're losing with Russ. Like all the passes that he threw tonight, especially in the third quarter, you're losing that. Dennis Schroeder can't do that. You don't have that play. LeBron obviously can, but you don't have that other guy that can do what Russ does. Austin Reeves can do it a little bit, but not like Russ can. Not right now. So... You are losing that, but he's saying it's worth it. It'll be a net positive if you can add shooting to the team. And I think it's hard to not feel that way in this game in particular because there were so many moments in this game where as much as we want to look at X's and O's, as much as we want to look at how hard the team played, what the substitution pattern was, all those sorts of things, there were moments where it just became the Nets can shoot and the Lakers can't. Right? Lakers were not shooting well. The Nets were, and that was that was it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hunter says, Sai, how many times do I have to watch the same horror movie? Lakers get back in the game with Wendy Gabriel, um, Rui Hachimura, Troy Brown or Thomas Bryant and crew. Russ comes in, does some nice things, and then the turnovers. Sit him down, man. Him is not ready. Mark Jackson. I think if Mark Jackson was going to be back in the game, he would already have a job. Um, he's had plenty of opportunities. I don't think he's necessarily the answer. And I, I think you know, the Lakers just gave Darvin Ham a four-year deal. They're not going to move on from their head coach right now. In fact, the, the, what, a week ago, the story got out that Jeannie told Darvin Ham, we love what you're doing. Um, you're, you're doing great and things are going to turn around and all that kind of stuff. The Lakers support him. The Lakers have gone all in on Darvin Ham, for better or for worse. So the hope has got to be that Ham improves some of the rotations and things and hopefully that the roster gets better. Uh, controversial said Bev Lonnie Jones and three seconds for Gary Harris Mo Bamba. I don't know that that gets that done for Harris. I think there's going to be some suitors for him. Um, those are just you're basically trading pure expirings and Gary Harris. If the Magic want pure expirings, they can get those. They those contracts already are because they're not guaranteed for the next year. So you already are, it's already expiring money. You're getting three seconds, and I guess that's something there. I think they'll try to get something more, though. If I'm Orlando, I'm trying to get a little more. Controversial man, Russ is doing fine. He gets too much hate, too much. He can be polarizing because when he makes mistakes, it's obvious. We've talked about that. When Russ makes mistakes, they're loud mistakes. You know, It's a pull-up three with 20 seconds on the clock that doesn't come anywhere close. It's a bad turnover. It's... He threw the ball into the 10th row tonight on a, on a play. Those are the mistakes that he makes, right? Those are the mistakes. Um, if Russ's mistake was he was half a step off on a defensive coverage and what should have been no shot turned into a contested look that the Nets happened to hit, like that's something that will pop up in a film session, but we're not going to notice 
right? We're not going to notice on the floor very much. We're not going to pick that up in a live game action. Russ does stuff that is that is impossible to not notice when he makes mistakes. And so he catches a lot of flack for that. Um, and I'm not saying it's not deserved, but it's just the reality that his mistakes are loud. But he also makes some really nice loud plays too, particularly on the passing. Uh, is our love for Darvin Ham clouding our judgment of his performance? Because the result is truly what it is at this point. What do you think? I mean, were we expecting the Lakers to get a win against the Nets without LeBron and without AD? And again, I know the Nets were missing players, but the Nets were minus nine heading into the game for a reason. They were a heavy favorite heading into the game for a reason. Um, I, I don't... I, I've seen enough Darvin Ham criticism to feel like I don't think he's getting the benefit of the doubt anymore. I think Lakers fans are getting frustrated, but that's also what happens when you're losing. When you lose games, the coach tends to take some fire there. That's just, it just what tends to happen in sports. The coach gets a lot of heat. Kronos, three picks for the summer gets more enticing each game. That's the other thing to consider. If you're the Lakers and Ron Gutterman and I talked about this um, day before yesterday on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Um, if you're the Lakers and you don't find the big move that you really like, that's worth sacrificing both those picks. Can you make a smaller move at the trade deadline for say a couple of seconds, like you did with Rui Hachimura and go into the summer with, and hopefully still add a little bit to your team, but go into the summer with three first round picks to play with. Cause now you would have probably the Pelicans pick, which right now would be 16th. I think you would have the Pelicans pick this year, plus your 2027 plus your 2029 to play with on the trade market. Now, again, you don't have as much salary to go out. So if you bring in like a Buddy Heald or something and you just have to give up second round picks, um, that would benefit you because you'd have another salary you could send out in a bigger deal. The whole thing, we we got way in depth into it. But there is some benefit to that, particularly when you're looking at the market right now and you're seeing how much of a seller's market it is and how difficult it is to get a deal done. There's some rationale behind, hey, let's, if the only things that are out there are deals that would fleece the Lakers, Let's hold off and go into the summer with three picks and see what you can do there. Again, that doesn't feel great. And the preference would be, hey, between now and the trade deadline, the right move pops up, you make it, and off you go. That's the preference. But if teams continue to demand just crazy prices, you might be pushed into that eventuality. Uh, Dante said, sorry, no reason for LeBron and AD to take off tonight when we were trying to get to 500. Only one should have taken the night off tonight and one taken off Tuesday. Well, that was the plan. The plan, well, not for one to take one night off, the other one to take the other night off. Although I, I, I guess you could argue if you do that, you're risking losing both games if you only have one of them for each game. But nonetheless, the plan was apparently, according to Darvin Ham, was not for LeBron to miss this game. It was just for AD to miss this game but LeBron's foot was bugging him enough to where the Lakers decided to pull him out of tonight's game. So again, fingers crossed. Something to keep an eye on there. Or he said, Westbrook's have fun attitude is so off-putting. So that's that's part of the disconnect, right? We talk about this a lot, and I've talked about this regarding Russell Westbrook a few times recently, but essentially what we have, right? Lakers Nation, all of us. What we have is shared experience. We watch the games, we are all, we're supporting the same team. So we're feeling similar things. Now we may not all agree on exactly how to get there. Like we all want to see the Lakers succeed. We may not agree on exactly how you get there, but in general, 
We all want the Lakers to succeed. We all want the team to play well. We want them to win games. Good things for the Lakers. When the Lakers lose, we're all going to feel bad. When the Lakers win, in general, we're going to feel good. Right? We have that shared experience. Um, and that was really, really shown when Kobe passed away. And so many, so many people in Lakers Nation just leaned on each other. So many fans just supporting each other. It was one of my proudest moments uh, from, from doing this was seeing how many people reached out to support each other. And that's, again, the power of shared experience. They had that connection. You knew what the other person was going through. Even if you don't know that person that well, you knew what they were experiencing because you were experiencing the same thing. You had the same feelings. And so when you see, when Lakers fans are frustrated and angry and upset and Russell Westbrook smiling, there's that sense of, what's is he not one of us? What's going on? Why, why do we all feel terrible and he's happy? When you see LeBron with the towel over his head and, and, and all of that, you say, that's how I feel. I would be so frustrated too, right? And you can relate to that. And there, it builds that connection, right? When you see a player that's having the opposite emotion to the one that you're having, it can be disconnecting, just as having similar emotions can help bring that, bridge that connection, right? Can help you feel even more connected to that player. So I understand the frustration with Russ, with him saying, you know, LeBron was saying, this was a couple of weeks ago in the locker room, LeBron saying, let's get greedy, meaning let's get greedy for wins. And Russ says, let's have fun. Just have fun. That, that was off-putting to Lakers fans. And it's understandable why it would be. But I would caution that sometimes what we see a player expressing outwardly or what we perceive them to be expressing doesn't always truly reflect how they're feeling internally. So I don't want to jump to conclusions and say, oh, Russ doesn't care, right? That's, that's where I've seen some fans go to is, oh, Russ doesn't care, right? I don't know. I think it's dangerous to go that far, but I understand why seeing or, or seeing, perceiving that disconnect can be upsetting. Controversial. Do losses affect your mental health? I get anxiety. Um, they used to. They used to. They, they still do to a degree. Um, I, I woke up angry after the, the Celtics game. I was angry most of the day. Um, not angry to the point where I was like miserable to be around or anything like that, but it was definitely on my mind. Um, and it was definitely upsetting. And, uh, I think a lot of you saw that in the post-game show that I was not happy, uh, in that, that situation with what was going on there, but it used to be pretty bad. It used to be bad enough to where, well, like when I was in my early twenties where I wouldn't watch the games, I would tape them on my VCR, which tells you how long ago it was, but I would tape them on my VCR and then just watch the game if they won because I wasn't handling it well. If they didn't win, I was getting so frustrated. Um, and so I would I would just record the game and then check the score afterwards. And if they won, then I would watch the game and I'd feel safe in watching it that way. So I don't know if that's what needs to work. It needs to be something that that you do. But my advice has been has always been, look, if it's sports, it's a there's a, a unity to it. There's a togetherness to it. There's a sense of community that comes in. And that's what I love about Lakers Nation. That's what I love about doing this. I love about getting to talk to all of you and, and all of that. Um, it's amazing. But if watching the games is stressing you out to the point where it is consistently negatively impacting your life, 
don't do it. Just don't just step away. Step away for a little bit. Maybe come back later. You can still check in on the team and all that kind of stuff. But if you notice, hey, my life isn't as good. Now, when I watch these games, I feel worse when I watch these games. If wins don't feel that great, like I understand this. I hit a point where wins to me were really just a slight relief rather than a, a celebration. Like, yes, they won. It was a big game. Great. It was more of just a relief that I didn't feel what I felt when they lost. And when they lost, that was crushing. So what's your upside? That you just feel slightly relieved? And the downside is that you just feel crushed? If that's you, if that describes you, anybody out there, take a step away. Take a step away for a little bit and understand that at the end of the day, it's sports. It's just sports. It's not, I don't want to say it's not real life, there's bigger, more important things than that. And certainly your, men your mental health is that. And maybe you come up with your own strategies and figure out what works best for you, what's the best way to watch the games or watch highlights or, or whatever it is. But if your mental health is seriously struggling watching, watching these games, don't do it. Put that first. Put that first. Figure that out. Maybe, it's, maybe exercise helps you. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's just... Uh, I mean, look, LeBron has the Calm app, right? That can help you out through things. Uh, even your Apple Watch does. I, I did this all the time when I was teaching. Between classes, if I felt like I was particularly stressed, I would turn on the breathing exercise on my Apple Watch and I would, and I would do breathing exercises just to help settle me. And I know most people look at me and they say, oh, you're, you know, I'm very even keeled and, and all of that. I hit some points where it was, where it was difficult. Um, and so I understand where you're coming from. So again... Put that first, then figure out basketball. Put the anxiety, put the mental health piece first, then worry about basketball after that. That should very much be, be secondary. That's, that's my advice there. And again, and that's to, to anybody, anybody who's, who's dealing with that, who's struggling with that, I've been there, it's not fun. Address that first. Do not put watching the games ahead of that. Uh, just aside, said this season is over without a rust trade. Anything is possible, of course, but Darwin hasn't grown and roster and depth issues remain. Play-in is doubtful. They, I mean, look, the West is still incredibly compact. They can definitely make a play-in run. They can make a playoff run. They can win enough games. Um, I don't know if I'll say the season is over without a rust trade. I think it's if you find the right trade, that certainly can boost you. It can help you, particularly if, like, if there's LeBron and AD injuries and you don't make a trade to add some firepower, then you're kind of dead in the water. But if you find the right trade, great. But the Lakers got to be careful because right now, the only deals that are out there are fleecings. And that's why we haven't seen something done. Uh, do I think Rui's personality will mesh well uh, as time goes on? He has similar vibes to Kendrick Nunn. You know, I don't have a great sense for what Rui's personality is just yet. I think it's too early to really lock into this is his personality, this who he is, this is who he is. You know, I've seen games of his with the Wizards, but I don't feel like what three games now with the Lakers is a large enough sample size for me to have a sense of who this guy is in terms of his personality, his demeanor on the floor just yet. I want to see more. Uh, David, tonight shows the problem with building a team with minimum players with obvious flaws. Don't have defense, need Christie, Rui, Westbrook on the floor more to develop. Um, yeah, look, 
Max Christie, I think, is going to be really good. Would like to see him developing more. Would like to see these guys get minutes together. You don't have a lot of consistency with this Lakers roster, obviously, season to season. So some of that chemistry and cohesiveness isn't there. When you're missing key pieces, you're just kind of throwing guys together and trying to mix and match on the fly. That's not easy. And then, as you mentioned, having a bunch of guys on veteran minimum rosters, I mean, uh, on salaries, like you look at the Nets and you look at what most of the guys on their squad are, are making compared to what the Lakers guys are making. And it's because the Nets used bird rights and things like that to stay over the cap. But Joe Harris, 18.6 million. Royce O'Neal, 9 million. Nick Claxton, 8.5 million. Seth Curry, 8.5 million. Patty Mills, 6.5 million. You know, I just named off, what is that? One, two, three, four, five players. The Lakers have LeBron, AD, and Russ. And then it's Pat Bev and Lonnie. Everybody else, aside from Rui Hachimura, is essentially on a minimum. So the roster is just constructed a bit differently. And now the Nets did have some good, like Dayron Sharp was good on a minimum deal or on a rookie deal. Cam Thomas was good on a rookie deal. So the Nets did find some players. Utah Watanabe was good. He's on a minimum. TJ Warren's on a minimum. Wasn't able to play tonight. He's, he's injured. But they've gotten some production out of some minimum guys, but the Lakers are asking a lot of minimum guys to do stuff that's above their pay grade. Uh, 40 million is only 0.04% of LeBron's total revenue as a billionaire. Seems like a no-brainer to take less money to help your legacy. How much did Harden take off? Uh, Harden took some off for one for one season. Like he's going to try to get that new contract this summer. And from what we've heard, maybe even from Houston, we'll see. But uh, as far as like take less money, LeBron's fear, and he's probably right in this. He's talked about this before. LeBron's fear has been that what would happen is if he took less money than a than other players would be told, well, LeBron took less, so now you need to as well. Because he's the guy, right? He's been the face of the league, and if LeBron does it, then other teams are going to expect their players to do it as well. And that's been the, the concern, that that would set the precedent, and he doesn't want to do that. Because remember, the NBA, look, the whole salary cap structure artificially lowers what a superstar would actually make or what their true value is to a club is capped. Max contracts for true superstars is one of the best values in the NBA. That and rookie contracts that hit, those are the best values. What gets artificially inflated? The middle of the road guys. Those guys make more because the max guys make less than what they really should. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about the guy that, you know, somehow is a max, but everybody knows he's not really a 1A superstar. I'm talking about your, your Giannis, your Jokic, LeBron, Kevin Durant, right? Like the Luka, the, the best of the best of the best. Those guys on a max deal, those are discounts. They're taking discounts by compared to what they're actually worth by signing a max contract. And I think sometimes we forget that it's actually a bargain with what they're making already. Super Dope Hip Hop said 17 and 31 games left versus 4 to 12 seeds. Close to the Lakers in the West. So 17 of the 31 remaining games are against the 4 to 12 seeds in the West, which means you've got opportunities to move up. You've got, like, you put a loss on, on, on somebody you're trying to catch and a win on your record. There's still a lot of upward mobility. There's still a lot of upward mobility. All right, let's see what else we've got here. 
Um, I will get to the Master Lock of the Night in just a moment, so that's coming. I know everybody always looks forward to that. I didn't want to do a, you know, Superstar of the Night. LeBron didn't play. AD didn't play. I guess we could do the Next Man Up Award, though. Let's let's go ahead and do that. Let's do that one. It's really starring your role this season. Even I said it wrong there. Here we go. Star in your role. All right. So which of the Lakers had the best performance tonight? I think Wenyon has an argument. But I'm going to go with Troy Brown. 17 rebounds for Troy Brown. A career high. 17 rebounds. Hard to not give it to a guy who puts up a career high in boards. Uh, 11 points, shot the ball well, four for eight, two for three. He's had bigger scoring games, no question. But still, 17 boards on a night when you didn't have Anthony Davis. That was big. So Troy Brown gets it for me. Uh, Rui Hachimura did some good things tonight. Uh, obviously didn't shoot well from the free throw line, but did some good things. It really came down to Wenyan Gabriel or Troy Brown. That was really what I was looking at. It was one of those two, and I had to go with Troy Brown in this one. Certainly not Beverly and not Schroeder. Uh, did not shoot well enough to get that done. So Troy Brown gets the star in your role award. Uh, Terrell Lawson said, this roster is terrible. No one can create their own shot. Well, the roster is supposed to be built around LeBron creating shots for people or Russ really knowing uh, really shows when LeBron doesn't play. Yeah. When LeBron's not out there, you see it. And look, this Lakers team they're they're a positive point differential when LeBron's on the floor and a big negative when he's not. And you don't want that to be the case. You want to have more depth. You want to have the ability to withstand LeBron not being on the floor. That's just not where they've been. Uh, Noel said, Russ has 23 free field goals and 19 turnovers in the last five games. He's been struggling. That Memphis game, he was brilliant. Since then, he's just not been great. It's not been great for the Lakers. Not been what they needed. Puppy Chow said, is Kyrie to the Lakers next season realistic? How does Rui's contract factor in? And do you think is what do you think is fair value on Russell's contract? Um, love from Hong Kong. Oh, wake, welcome in. Uh, so Kyrie to the Lakers. Is that next season, is that realistic next season? It was a stretch before the Rui trade because essentially you'd be asking Kyrie when his max is like 46 million, you'd be asking him to take a 33, 34 million dollar contract. That's what you'd be asking him, which is a big stretch. Now, though, that you've got Rui, maybe you have like 20 million to 24 million, something like that to spend. 24 million, 20 million, somewhere in that range. It's not happening. Not with Rui on the books. Now, Rui is on an expiring contract. So, in theory, if it just went completely south and didn't work out at all, the Lakers could say, okay, we'll see you later. And you could free up that cap space and you can have 34 million again if you wanted it. But everything we heard was that the Lakers did not go get Rui Hachimura to move on from him this summer. They didn't get him as a rental. They want to keep him long-term. And I think they should. I think he's, he's good. Um, so I believe that. I don't think they're going to let him go. And so therefore, I think the Kyrie thing is is dead. Um, fair value on Russell's next contract. It's going to be really tough to say. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to, is Russ willing to come off the bench for teams? Because I think that's what he's going to be asked to do. Um Teams are going to ask him to come off the bench. I could see him somewhere in the 10 to 15 million range, but we'll see. It's going to be one of the more fascinating things to cover this offseason is what happens with Russ. Once again, four guards and Hachimura at the five. Scam, Darvin scam. Yeah, that was to close out the game. That was where I badly wanted to see Wenyon in the game and not 
Rui Hachimura as your five. Rui is your four. Wenyan out there as your five. Again, Wenyan's not even necessarily a five. He's not that big. But put him out there as your nominal five. And then off you go from there rather than all guards and, and Rui. That was a bit optimistic, we'll say. Jason, Dr. Jekyll and Hyde Westbrook was in fine form tonight. If I could compare him to an animal, it would be a Tasmanian devil. I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe. Maybe. He does have um, the ability to fly all over the place, make chaos happen. Sometimes it can be brilliant. Sometimes it can be awful. Sometimes it can be awful. But, yeah, it just depends on what is uh, <laughs> on whether the ball is being turned over, what shots are being taken, decisions that are being made, and all that. Sometimes Russ thrives in chaos. And I said going into this game that you just kind of had to live with whatever you got out of Russ. Like, if he shoots you into the game, great. If he shoots you out of it, well, you didn't have much of a chance without him going nuclear. And unfortunately, we didn't get a super efficient game from Russ. Uh, Vector Nova, the Lakers shouldn't trade the 23 pick swap. The best way to gain cheap young talent is to draft, and the scouts have not disappointed. It would have to be an absolute fleecing of a trade to include it. Yeah, I think you'd have to get real value. Uh, this is known as a pretty deep draft. If it's like the 16th pick and that's where the Pelicans finish up, like it is, I think, right now, yeah, you would need something significant to trade that away. Yeah, you're talking, we're talking you would need star-level player or multiple very, very high-level role players to do something like that, to move that, for sure. And good point about the Lakers scouting department and the incredible job they've done. Wondering what are your thoughts would be on LeBron sitting out the All-Star game after the no-call. He doesn't need to come out and say he's doing it out of protest, but the league would definitely take a hit. I mean, he still has to go and pick the team. I don't think he wants to, like, I think he wants to take part in things. He knows, you know, he's, how many more all-star games is he going to play in, right? So he knows that his, these moments are um, dwindling. And so I don't think he'll actually do it. There were people who questioned whether or not sitting out tonight's game was a protest from what happened against the Celtics game. I don't think it was, but from the Lakers perspective, I wouldn't mind seeing LeBron just get the rest and not play in the all-star game. I, I don't think he's going to do it though. I don't think he's going to do it. So, you know, don't let Russ ruin your day. Keep your head up, King. You know, it's again, I don't think it's just Russ. I don't think it's just Russ um, that's upsetting people, but you know, when the Lakers lose it, it sometimes isn't easy. Isn't easy. All right, let's get into the master lock of the night. Here we go. Master lock of the night. All right, master lock of the night. We take whatever the most frustrating and annoying thing from the game was, and we put it in our buddy Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold the master lock. So what are you guys putting in the master lock after this game? Oh, I'm seeing some people say, some people say AD for sitting out. LeBron for sitting out. The refs from last game. We're still mad at the refs from last game. Understand it. Understand it. Patrick Beverly picked up Tech pretty easy, pretty early. Uh, Darvin Ham, Russ, Darvin Ham. I'm going to go, I will go. Oh no, somebody said Trevor Lane. Master locking me? All right, whatever. Um, I will go with, I'm going to go with Darvin Ham and I'm going to go Darvin Ham uh, for the three guard lineup specifically. We're continuing to see the three guard lineup time in and time out. Again, it's done some good things when LeBron's on the floor, but the stats say you can't go to it when LeBron is not on the floor. So I'm going to go with Darvin Ham for the three guard lineup 
that gets the master lock in this one. So it's not just, and again, Ham's got the team playing hard, but shame on the NBA doing nothing to improve officiating. They need to make those changes this summer. Those are changes they can make over the summer in terms of reviews and figuring out what they're going to do there. Brandon, is Russ and Picks a bad trade? He's been good. Depends on what you're getting in return, but it's something to be concerned about. I don't think trading away Russ is just addition by subtraction because he's had some good moments and his passing really has helped the Lakers. So you got to be careful what you're getting back. You have to get back something good in return. Um, Jack says, I'm done watching after the Celtics games. Nowhere, Celtics game, no way Jalen Brown played with five fouls the fourth quarter and overtime, and nobody took advantage of that. That says a lot about the true identity of the team. They've done that a couple of times now this season where they've got an opponent in foul trouble and then stopped attacking them instead of going at them. Because you're either you're going to get one of two things, right? If you drive at Jalen Brown and he's got five fouls, he's either going to play Olay defense and step aside and you're going to get a, get the ball right to the rim, or he's going to challenge and potentially pick up that sixth foul and be out of the game. Either one of those things is a good thing for the Lakers, and they've had opportunities in other games, I think they had against Luka, and they didn't go at them the way that you expected them to and, and force them to make that decision of either contest and risk picking up the foul or give us the layup. I think the Lakers need to do a better job recognizing that, and that's on the coaching staff. They've got to do a better job saying, hey, let's attack this guy and go at him. Oh, somebody said master lock the free throws tonight. That is, that's a good one. That's a good one too. And maybe what I should have gone, gone with, the free throws. All right, everybody. Let's wrap things up there. I know this is a, a frustrating night, especially coming off of that Celtics loss. Hopefully, we get good news on LeBron tomorrow and we find out that he's going to play against the Knicks. And LeBron and AD are back in action and the Lakers can get a win there. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and check out the LakersNation.com podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.